That's crazy. 2023. I feel like it was just yesterday when they, I don't know who they are, but when they said, uh, we're going to shut down the country for just for eight weeks. You guys remember those eight weeks? That was like two years ago. It was two. I was like, we have to do two weeks of online church. How are we going to do that? And then they're like eight weeks, and I'm like, Lord, help us. I was, I don't even know how we're going to do this. 50 weeks later, we were online 50 weeks. Anyways, 2023, right around the corner. Okay. Hey, Merry Christmas, everybody. My name's JJ, and um, who likes white Christmases? Yeah, amen. We got it. Did God bless that song. We were listening to, okay, okay. We were listening to Christmas in the Northwest. Does anybody know that song, the last one that was playing before announcements? I was introduced to that song by my wife, and being from Colorado, I, it, it was hard to believe it was a real song, but it is. <laughs> Take away the presents, but we'll still have a tree, because Christmas in the Northwest is a gift God wrapped in green. God bless the Northwest. <laughs> hey, speaking of invitations, before we get into this, um, I have people on my open invitation list too. Just people that God has placed in my life that um, we have conversations and we do life together. And they're not, they don't follow Jesus in their life, but they're my friends and I love them. And you'll see today that God loves them even more than I do. So I, I share with them messages and I am my own biggest critic with these just so you know so it's hard it's actually hard for me to share the stuff I say because I you listen you know when you listen to yourself and you're like oh my gosh that's what I sound like but you just share you share stuff with people and uh, this is a message as I was thinking about this week that um, I don't know the Lord grabs it on your heart um, to share with someone it's actually pretty easy to do and uh, you can post it on your social media pages, but I don't know. I tend to think uh, a text message to someone that you're thinking about um, does a does a um, it's a little more personal. So I want to preach you guys a message this morning called "A Very Bridgy Christmas." It's a very bridgy Christmas. Today we're going to look at a group of people whose story reminds me of mine. A group of people that learned about Christmas after the fact. They're in, in this Christmas season, we talk about them, but they learned about the birth of Jesus after the birth of Jesus, kind of like I did. Their story was different. It didn't fit the status quo Christian story. They were people who were actually far away from what the world would see, far away from the possibility of being face-to-face -face with Jesus. They were outsiders to the things of God. They were outsiders to the things of this type of religious, um, the God of the Israelite people. They were people who were actually looking, actively looking elsewhere for guidance and meaning in life. They were following a different rhythm of life, way of worship, and God unexpectedly intervened into their lives. 
They were people who God drew to himself by way of a process. Took some time. And they are people who, by their response, God used to inform and inspire others to do the same as them. Reminds me of me. It's on my own path. I wasn't just wandering around aimlessly. I had plans. I was thinking about life and going in a certain direction. And God intervened into my life. And when I look back, I would say it was supernatural. Maybe someone shared an in. I was actually invited into a home. And then I was invited, I was invited to a church. And it was in this place that this man stood up, or this, this group of people I was with, and this dude would preach. And he was not like the type of guy that I would go and hang out with. Suit, tie, sang from the front like the band played, and he would stand here and be like, whoa. And I was like, in my heart, I was like, this dude is a dork. (laughs) But when he spoke, and when he opened God's word, and when he talked to me, I, I learned, I was like, actually, this guy's a man of God. I didn't even know what that was, but God intervened in my life, and then by a way of process, started drawing me to himself. And then look at what, of all the things He actually has me, as best I can, try to share through what God used in my life with others. So when I read this story, it reminds me of my experience. You guys know who I'm talking about? They're the wise men. In the Bible, they're called the wise men or the magi. Open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. And while you're turning there, I'd like to pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for church, for what it means to be a part of something. And Lord, I believe today that if people would come to this place that have never set foot in a church or think that it is most definitely not the place for them, I believe in all my heart they would be so pleasantly surprised at what they would find. But before we extend that invitation and May we be pleasantly surprised or reminded about what we find. And that's what Christmas is all about. It's about you. Uh, it's about that no matter how much we love Christmas, you love it more. No matter how much people love you, you love people more. Would you remind our hearts of that or maybe speak that new over us today? We love you, Lord. We pray everything in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, chapter 2. Starting in verse 1, let me read this. In those days, sorry, not Luke, Matthew, sorry about that. Uh, Matthew chapter 2, the other Christmas story. Here we go. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, so after the fact, in, of Ju- okay, let me start over. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. But when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. 
and they told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. So they pulled out the scriptures, and they pull up Micah chapter 5, verse 2, and it says this, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Verse 7, Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained, that is such like a code word to me, and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And, they, and he sent them to Bethlehem, and this is what he said, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. How excited were you? I rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Or we were so pumped we couldn't believe it. Verse 11, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. Opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Verse 12, and being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. After Jesus was born. How long after Jesus was born? Well, when you read and you kind of take all the Christmas accounts, it could be anywhere from a couple of months to maybe up to two years. We know it could be up to two years because of what King Herod does when he finds out that there was someone who could threaten his throne. We know that it was after Jesus was in the infancy stage because the word here for child no longer means baby, but little child. So months after. This is Christmas after the fact. Mary and Joseph were still in Bethlehem, but no longer in the major. Now they had a little studio apartment. Uh, maybe they were uh, renting um, someone's downstairs basement, moving on up. The last visitors we looked at were a group of shepherds, another group of outsiders. We talked about how God wanted, the Father wanted certain group of people to be gathered around the birth of Jesus and to be invited to that first Christmas party. And we looked at the shepherds. Now we have not even Jewish people coming, but what the Bible calls Gentile people, them, the those people. The not us's, but the them's of the world. Traveling, they would have dressed different, looked different, um, different customs, different lifestyles, but they all of a sudden were these next visitors that come knocking on the door. I put this, they were men from a faraway place with a different upbringing, looking to not the covenant-keeping Moses crossing the Red Sea and bringing us to the promised land, God, but they were looking to the universe for direction, for answers, for guidance. These men were astrologers. 
Wise men means that they were the ones in their place where they lived that people would come to for guidance, for direction, for from everything from spirit, uh, spiritual matters to uh, you know just life matters. They were the ones that the king would bring in their wise men to try to understand what was going on, and they would consult the stars. Uh, to a Jewish person, to a person that following Yahweh God, they would have been called pagans. Somehow, though, and you could li- listen to a million messages and hear a bunch of different explanations, but somehow, in their form of religious worship, when they saw a new star, which there was, in the sky, they ascertained that somehow this meant that there was a king that was born that would be over the Jewish people and whose reign would extend farther than that one kingdom but would be a much larger reign. And they decided that not only did they believe that but it was worth leaving where they were to go worship this king, to go visit this king, to go see this king. Clearly a supernatural event. And significant enough that they would leave where they were. It says wise men from the east. How far east? Was it Babylon? Was it, they were from, they were from, it probably took six months to a year of travel time. So it wasn't like, hey, let's run over to Ferndale. There's this cool thing that happened. And it wasn't like, there's snow on the road. Let's drive careful. It's, uh, we'll be traveling throughout the winter type of thing. And so I have on here three things that God wants to teach us from the story of the wise men. All right? The first one is this. The wise men were not threatened by his majesty. The wise men were not threatened by his majesty. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, verse 1 again, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all of Jerusalem with him. You see that where it says King Herod, it says he was troubled. That word trouble didn't mean perplexed, like, hmm, interesting. It means he felt threatened. He was scared. You know, it's hard to be in awe of something and give it its full glory when you feel threatened by it. And Herod was threatened. He was afraid of losing his throne. If someone had been rightfully born king, then his job was in jeopardy. His place at the top, his days were numbered. And make no mistake, his entire life had been about getting to the next place, making the next step. It had been about establishing his rule, his kingdom, his way. And if he felt threatened by anyone, he had them dealt with. He had had multiple of his own children executed. He had had 
wives executed, they were plotting behind him, he would take them out. He would deal with his threats. So when these wise men show up and, and look like, it says in our, in our um, nativity scenes, if the wise men are there, if you go home and the wise men are there around, it's not biblical, people. You need to rethink your priorities. Um, I'm just kidding. They came, they came later. You can have the wise men there um, in spirit, but you just like, you kick them over to the other side of the room and, you know, just leave the nativity out and sometime in like October they can like show up to the party. But we think that we three kings, we hear the song and different, but it, we're talking, this could have been a company of people. Could have been hundreds of people. It was multiples. People were coming in. So, and, and with gifts and, and caravans, so they come in and Herod was thinking, what is this all about? And they come in and they're like, where is the, he who has been born king of the Jews? They don't even necessarily know what all that means, but they know that that's what they, God spoke to them in a supernatural way. So Herod's threatened by it. The wise men were not threatened. I love that. We need to be reminded of that. We don't need to be threatened by Jesus's majesty, by his rule. See, I see this a lot in our, in our world. <clears throat> People lashing out at God, lashing out at followers of God saying really mean things. And it's hard, and when someone does that, what's the natural response? Let's be honest, to lash back. But the reality is, is that when we feel threatened, we lash out because we feel threatened. People don't need to be threatened by Jesus. We want people to be in awe of Jesus. And that starts with us not being threatened by what God wants to do. I remember being, because there is this, this sense of the fear of the Lord, this reverence for God. But I remember people being like, oh, you don't want to give God your whole heart. Because when you do, he's going to send you to Africa. You know what I mean? Like if you really give God your whole life, he's going to send you to Antarctica to, you know, minister to the penguins or something. And so there was this always this sense of like if I give God every, like I needed to hold back, reserve something, and that, that I was sort of threatened maybe by what God would want to do, that he would take me to things that are not good for me, that would be bad for me, that I wouldn't like or grow from, that it would actually be harmful to me. Ah. Oh. It's such wrong thinking. He's going to take us to places, I'll tell you this, he'll take you to places that maybe in the moment, um, God has this special way of uh, pulling more out of us than we're ready to give at the moment. But he never has a way about him where he wants to cause harm. Everything he does is better for us. We need to get over that we don't have to be threatened by God. These wise men, they weren't threatened. They were open. They were giving. It was beautiful. 
The way of Jesus is not a threat to your kingdom of self, as Herod thought, but rather it's an invitation to experience what freedom really is. I love what Jesus said about this. In Matthew 11, chapter, uh, 11 verses 28 and 30, Jesus said this. On the, he was older. He spoke really well at this point. He, Jesus said at the end of this religious festival, he stood up on the last day, and he said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. He said, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. I think a lot of times people read this and they think um, that there has to be some sort of deeper poetic meaning because they feel threatened by what God wants to do when Jesus just says, Oh, I have rest you don't know about. I have peace that the world doesn't give. His rule is the best. And the wise men were not threatened by his majesty. They were in awe of it. The second thing is this. The wise men were committed to the journey in front of them. Pick it up in verse 4. In assembling all of the chiefs in, in and scribes of the people, Herod inquired of them, where is this Christ, this king, this savior to be born? Is this true? Where? They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. Bethlehem was this little place. Always reminds me of when you see someone playing in the pro sports that come from your little hometown. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, put us on the map. Um, I don't know someone around here that plays. There you go. That's what I was thinking of. See? Bellingham. What up? Okay. Put them on the map. But they were like, Bethlehem's a nothing town. But by you, but Bethlehem, there shall be one who would come from you. That God would say, that would shepherd my whole people. That's who's coming from there. Then Herod called the wise men secretly and asked from them when the star had appeared. Like, what's your story? Tell me about this. When did you hear this? Who told you? And he says, yeah, go find him. And when you find him, come tell me that I can come worship him too. You know what Herod actually did? He had every little boy from two years old and younger in Bethlehem, this little town, killed. That's how threatened he was. But by the time that happened, God had already spoken to Joseph and said, you go escape, flee, go to Egypt. And they did. But the wise men were committed to the journey. And after listening to the king, verse 9, they went on their way and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose before them came to rest over the place where the child was. So they had been following a star. They went to Jerusalem, didn't find what they were looking for, but they were going to see it through. Anyone seen Christmas Chronicles? 
It's a good Christmas movie. You should watch it. But a Pierce, a Pierce always sees it through. They, were, they saw the star in their homeland, and they were faced with a choice. This is how often how it works with the Lord. We see something, something new, like, oh, that's new. That's different. And then you're faced with a choice. What do we do with this choice? They chose to begin a journey. They chose to begin because they were not threatened by what they thought they would find. They were excited about it. First, their journey led them to a place. They went to a place where they thought they would find a king. But the king they found was not the king they were intended to find. And doesn't it, the journey always look a little different than we thought it would? I think it's interesting that the wise men came first to Jerusalem, assuming that the leaders of the Jews would be aware and excited about the birth of their Messiah, and they find that that wasn't the case at all. They come from far away, didn't look the part. How did you hear just to come to find out that the people they thought would be pumped about this, they, were, they weren't. They either weren't aware or they felt threatened by the, this knowledge. The so-called king was insecure and the religious leaders were content with the religious system. It reminds me, actually, it talks about the scribes and the Pharisees in there. It reminds me of this little back and forth you get in um, The Hobbit where Gandalf and Bilbo are talking back and forth. Gandalf says this. He says, I am looking for someone to share an adventure. I'm looking for someone to share in an adventure that I am arranging. And it is very difficult to find anyone. Bilbo responds and said, I should think so in these parts. We are plain quiet folk and have no use for adventures. Nasty, disturbing, uncomfortable things make you late for dinner. That's what the scribes and the Pharisees reminded me of. Oh, that sounds like effort. That sounds like work, this journey you speak of. I can't, think about, I can't help but think about the mixed signals that these wise men must have experienced. There's someone who feels threatened. Someone else that doesn't even seem to be into it. They, they seem to know the place, but they don't want to go too. They're not on their way as well. This is where many people quit. Outsiders looking in at the Christian faith and what it is to follow Jesus. These mixed signals is what gets, God works in their life. Something happens, a star, a dream, a word from someone fueled by power from the Holy Spirit. They'll say something like, oh, maybe it's different than I thought. Maybe it's different than I was raised. And they, they commit to start a journey. And they cross paths. How many people have said, oh, I, this, that, or the other, but I went to church and I got hurt. I'm kind of like, welcome to the club. I lead a church and I know people get hurt. It's like we're, we're humans. We rub up against each other and it, and it hurts. You know what I mean? We don't do everything right. But this is where a lot of people quit because they get confused and they think that the king that they were looking for is found in the leadership of a church or in um, another person. And we're always let down. This is where many people quit, but I'm here to remind you that God never quits on you. 
He has never quit on anybody. Even if your journey has led you to a place where you've received mixed signals, God has never quit. And he will never quit. Not on you, not on me, not on anybody. We believe that. So they chose to keep going even after the confusing time. After listening to the king, they went back on their way. And check this out. And behold, the star that they had seen, it rose again and it went before them. And it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. The journey often starts in a general direction, but it always leads to a person. The spiritual journey toward Jesus, it will start in a general direction. I'm moving this way. The word repent means to turn around. So if you're going in a direction, something happens in your life and you have this thought, I need to change my life. Things need to change for me. Repenting means turning around. So that can happen in all sorts of ways. You're like, I don't, I, this direction is bad. I'm going to die. I'm going to hurt someone. I'm going to hurt myself. I'm going, you run down that road for a while and you're like, I, this path is not leading to a good place. Maybe it's a revelation that the path that you're going down is not a good path. And so there's this sense of, well, maybe I should go this way. That's turning around and you start this, this process. It leads to a direction. We'll say stuff like, you know, um, you, you might quit an action. I need to get sober. I need to do this. I need to make things right with my family. So it starts in a direction. Directions oftentimes lead us to religious systems. The direction is a general thing, but God's intended purpose is always to lead you to a person. That's what Christmas is about. Leads us to the simplicity of this love relationship between God and humanity that he gives the gift of his son. That we can have relationship. Don't get stuck in a system. It makes me think of this. The star didn't lead them to a religious system. It led them to a person. That's what we're reminded of. Christmas. We slow down. What, am, what, is, what does this year look like? How are things going? Hey, just remember, it's because of God's love for you and your family and those that don't yet know him, those that do know him, the kids that your kids go to school with, the, par- the other parents in that school, the staff, even public school staff. Yeah, even public school staff. God loves them all. The love of God is trust his processes. The wise men were committed to the journey. I love that. The last one is this. The wise men responded accordingly. They were not threatened by God's majesty. They were committed, excuse me, to the journey. And when they saw him, they responded accordingly. And going into the house, verse 11, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then... Opening their treasures, they offered him gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Frankincense and myrrh, um, think um, essential oils. That was a big deal, even back then. These dudes were hip, I'm telling you. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. You know, when we learn something, 
our response shows us our expectations. What we, our response shows what we believe about what we were just taught. How did, let, let me show you what I mean. Herod found out that a king had been born. That's information. How did he respond? By killing off everyone that could be a potential threat to the way he wanted to do things. The wise men, the, the religious leaders, the chief priests and scribes are called. They understood the biblical information correctly. You're right. Bethlehem, Messiah, a shepherd. But they did not seem, but they, they had the right information, but they were personally uninterested in meeting the Messiah for themselves. That blows me away. They knew the stuff, but it didn't affect, right? Our God is in the heart stuff. You can go to church your whole life and hear the, this stuff. Sometimes I think we're so good at the multiple choice questions, if you, especially if you've grown up in church. You can answer all the questions, tick all the boxes. But if it's not doing this, affecting your responses, Maybe sometimes you have the right information but are just personally interested in seeing Jesus. This is where many people are. But the wise men opened up their treasures and gave what they had. Their response was one of openness to Jesus. The word for that, response of openness, is a biblical word. We call it worship. So we sing worship songs and we give our tithes and offerings. Tithe means tenth. There's a principle in the Bible that you take 10% of your financial earnings and you give it to God as a gift. So you don't have to do that, but you can if you, it's just, that's where that word comes from. So when you hear someone say, Lord, please bless our tithes and offerings, that's what they're saying. They're like, would you take what we're giving to you and just bless it because you love us more. This is our response. It comes from this whole heart thing right here. We expect that we don't, aren't threatened by who, who God is and what he wants to do. We are committed to wanting to walk with Jesus. And so our response is one of just gratitude. Thank you, Lord. See, when you're threatened, you take. You take offense. You take the ball and you go home. You're like, I quit. I'm not playing anymore. But when you uh, are opened up, there's just this response of, of giving. That's why Christmas is so rad, because we give to the people we love. The wise men opened up their treasures. They gave what they had. That word is worship. Their natural response to the one who put the star in the sky, who called them by name from their unique circumstances and invited them, invited them to come and see the one who would make, make straight the path in this world, that's a response to uh, the gospel, a response to who Jesus is. And it reminds me of my experience. But the thing is, and what I love about this so much, I know it said, I said it reminds me of my own, but I believe it rings true for so many people in our world. 
And I believe it will ring true for so many more. Because the reality of Christmas is that God loves people from all walks of life. From every tribe, tongue, and nation, the Bible would say. You know, in heaven right now, Christmas celebrations are happening. And it's spoken in every conceivable language, even angelic languages. From every skin color, from every part of the globe, from every as diverse as God created people, that's the diversity that he loves. Just look at the people who got to experience that first Christmas. He knows their story and is drawing them to himself in unique ways that they will respond to. But there is a heavenly invitation to start a journey that will lead you not to a place, but to a person. So I call this a very bridgy Christmas, and here's why. We believe, and after the new year, we're going to go into a little bit about um, I just feel called that I know there's a lot of new people that have been coming, and that's praise God, and I believe that there are more. So we just want to be like, hey, this is who we are. This is what we feel God has asked us to do. And um, so we're going to talk about that a little bit more in the new year, but this is just um, comes off of the page to me. So here at the bridge, we believe that God wants to gather all people to himself. Does anyone believe that? All people. Even if someone were to come in and say, hey, I, because I've heard some pretty far out there things uh, on some Sunday mornings and some other stuff. But if someone were to come in and say, hey, I started a journey a year ago because I was camping in the Sierras. It was magical, man. I had my Tacoma and I was camping in the back and, and I got up one night and there was a star I'd never seen before. And I've been studying the stars my whole life. And I just felt like it ha someone had to put it there. It's not by chance. And I started this journey. And then people roll in on a Sunday morning. And they're like, and I happen to be here today. While that might be surprising, I'm never surprised. I'm like, yeah, I don't doubt it. God wants to reach all sorts of people. And he's going to meet us in some pretty profound and unique ways. But he's always leading to his son. So maybe you feel like an outsider. So do I. At the bridge, we want to be people who are on the way ourselves. Someone's on a journey. We're not like, oh, cool. Good luck. We want to be people that says, no way. I'm going there too. Let's go together. I'm on my way to see Jesus too. I'm growing too. I'm in process too. I'm committed to the journey too. Can we go together? If you want to travel fast, go alone. You want to go far, go together. We're trying to go together. We're not a system to join, but we're feather, fellow uh, sojourners along the, the trail. And the last thing is our response what we believe about what we say. So you can have it here, knowledge. Your belief is how you respond, how you live because of it. 
our, ex- our response is that we want to give what we have to others. You know, these wise men were excited to share what they knew and what they experienced. And it says, and they went home. God told them, led them down a different path, back to a place where they would tell about what has happened to them. That's our response. We want others to join. Our response is to give what we have to others. You could say, we're sort of excited about it. We sort of love Christmas. All the stuff that is the fun stuff, I even like the Run DMC song, Christmas and Hollis. But I fast-forwarded it this morning because I didn't want to offend anybody, but it was on our playlist before church. I love Christmas movies, even the dorky, silly ones that don't have anything to do with Jesus, but they have a spirit of, of Christmas and family. But I love what God is doing through the birth of his son in our world. He's drawing people to himself. He's saying that it's simpler than you think. It's not about a system. It's about a person. It's about a relationship. And here's some other people going along, and they're just trying to be faithful like Mary and Joseph from last week, just trying to be faithful for what God has asked them to do in their time. That's us. It's not complex. It's just hard. And so we move forward, and and we just say, we're down for whoever wants to come. As a matter of fact, we're going to go out and we're going to see how we could just invite one person, another person, that maybe God is working there in their life and they would come too. So I hope you have a Merry Christmas. I hope your week is fun. And uh, I hope you get out and enjoy this snow. And um, I hope to see you Saturday night when I'm not going to preach we're going to sit and we're going to look at all these last four weeks, the, the, last, uh, or the last three messages that I've done. We're going to sit back and we're going to just have a night of singing and retelling of kind of the, the whole big picture of the Christmas season and the birth of Jesus. And it's so much fun and it's really simple and we love it. So um, you guys ready? Okay, so let's pray. The band's going to come up. And uh, we're going to have a final song, and then I'll dismiss us. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for these uh, wise men. You know, we can learn a lot of wisdom from them because they didn't let their proximity to you, Jesus, stop them from committing to a journey. They had the right um, belief about what they would find. And it wasn't in a a castle, and it wasn't in a system. It was in a simple, um, relational interaction. So cool. So, Lord, we love you. We sing the song in response to you. We pray everything in Jesus' name. Amen.